Lonely Monk Productions. I don't know if y'all have seen episode 5 of Ahsoka on Disney Plus yet, but yo! That's my joy! That's my joy! What's good, friends and family, neighbors near and far? Welcome to an all-new episode of the Yo, That's My John podcast. The podcast, website, brand, movement, way of life dedicated to the embrace and championing of your passions. I'm your host, Nate Runkle, a.k.a. Johnny, Angry Johnny. This is... Jezebel in hell, a.k.a. Nate 3.0, back at it again with yet another episode of the podcast. As always, I hope this podcast finds you all in good health and in good spirits. On today's episode, I am joined for a fantastic chat with Greg Sover. Greg's got a new album out called His Story, and it is a rockin' good time. We talk about the album, working with Billy Cox of the Jimi Hendrix Experience, and so much more. And that is coming up in a bit here. But first... Y'all, I just got back in town from a vacation on the Cape, and then today I just played a gig a few hours ago, and look, guys, I am spent. But spent as I may be, I have an episode to deliver to you guys, so no time to rest. It's go hard or go home. Well, I am home. Actually, this is my home. So I guess it's a go hard at home. (laughs) whatever. Here's the deal. In trying to gear up for this vacay, I tried to bank a bunch of interviews, all right? And, um, well, I kind of overdid it. I have too many in the chamber right now. Which brings me to this programming note. Because I have so many great conversations sitting there, waiting to be heard. Starting this week and through October, we are returning to a weekly release schedule. Well, what's that mean? That means, for the time being... We will have a new episode for you every Monday. How crazy is that? My overachievement becomes your benefit. You're welcome. But yeah, jokes aside, we're switching to a weekly format for the time being. So please, adjust accordingly. Of course, you know the best way to stay on top of all this and any future changes to the show, right? Jump on the mailing list. Visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com and sign on up. There's links to the mailing list, links to the show, links to other podcasts I've been on, links to the socials, which, of course, you guys all know is at Yo That's My John on all the major social media sites. Because you follow them already, don't you? You follow the socials. Of course you do. And all right, look, if you don't, I will not shame you. Oh, well, I will not shame you if you go ahead right now and you follow us at Yo That's My John. Does that sound like a deal, little camper? Cool. So, yeah, just to reiterate, new episodes every Monday through October. Jump on the mailing list. Follow the socials. Good times. Okay, we're all on board. So, let me take one quick ad break and then let's jump on in on my interview with Greg Sover. Yo, That's My John is brought to you by Liquid IV. 
Guys, it is festival season. And you know me, I love a festival. And the secret to enjoying a festival is to stay hydrated. Liquid IV has you covered while you prep before, power through to the headliner, and recover after the weekend. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. Man, I love Liquid IV. It comes in a convenient packaging, and it's tasty. When you see me at the Exponential Music Festival this fall, you know that I will have Liquid IV on me. And it comes in 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. All right, strawberry used to be my favorite, but they have this new one. It's strawberry lemonade, and it is a banger. One stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. So Liquid IV partners with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50-plus countries around the world. Okay, and you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the promo code YTMJ at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using the promo code YTMJ at liquidiv.com. Do it, and let's get our fests on. My guest today is a singer, songwriter, and guitar slinger who grew up immersed in classic rock, country, and the blues ever since he first picked up a guitar at the age of five. His latest album, History, is a 10-song rocker that features an appearance on two songs by Billy Cox, the legendary bassist for Jimi Hendrix in both The Experience and The Band of Gypsies. Folks, it is my honor to welcome to the show, Greg Sover. Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today by the great Greg Sover. Greg, thank you for joining me on Yo, That's My John. Yo, that's my John. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Nate, how's it going, brother? It's going good, man. I'll tell you what, this new album of yours, uh, His Story, is absolutely phenomenal. I'm an, I'm an old um, guitar fan um, and, and player, not nearly as talented as you. Um, but, um, but you uh, are just soaring on this album, and I love it, man. Yes, thanks a lot. Um, we went through a lot of um, tribulations and trials with this one. There was... Um, there was uh, there was engineers that passed away. Rest in peace, my guy, Mike Tarzia. Um, a big, he was a major important part of the of the album before it finished. Um, and then we had to switch some bands around, make sure we get things sounding right the way we wanted to sound. Um, so I'm glad I'm getting the response we're getting because this is just uh, it was it was just so much you know doubt and let's keep it going and. There's so much going on with it, but I, I I had to finish. I had to finish the product. You know, you start what you finish and you finish it. Yeah, and I'm glad you did, man, because like I said, it absolutely screams. Um, let's jump in the Wayback Machine before we get too deep into that. And tell me a little bit about uh, growing up. Uh, where were you born? Yeah, so I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Um, mom and dad are Haitian. Um, so and about mid-80s, 
they moved and um here I came here I here I come Greg Silver the Brooklyn from Brooklyn and then we ended up moving to um Philadelphia uh, to Philly which is my home I consider my home um everything I learned was first in Philly from the fights to you know everything Philly can 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 bring to you as far as knowledge um but what I clearly remember was when I moved here um it was the first time Mike Tyson lost that was the biggest thing. I was the uh, not that I remember. I was so young, but that was the biggest thing that was going on in media. Mike Tyson lost. Mike Tyson lost to Buster Douglas. Um, so that's what that's my clear and early memory of Philly. Um, but um, other than that, I remember my dad always playing the guitar. So I got the guitar from got the love from the guitar. Of my dad. I remember my dad playing this instrument, and I was staring at these curves and looking at this thing, staring at her like it was a woman. Like man, I love. The guitar, and it's still a, uh, it's still something I love the same, or if not more, you know. Um, um, a lot of, uh, I was saying that we're, I'm Haitian, so a lot of the American music wasn't played in the household as much. It was a lot of um, compa, which is the native uh, genre of Haiti, and a little bit of zouk, which is also the native genre of Haiti. So it was always the Caribbean stuff going on at home um until i went outside that's when i figured out about the cheese steaks and things like that uh we uh, which i love which i love um but it was heavily haitian culture at the house and then i i clearly remember hearing bob marley um bob marley was uh uh english speaking and i'm, I'm understanding get up stand up things like that um and then a little bit after that it was cindy lopper's time after time uh, such a different sound compared to what I was used to, because even though Bob Marley spoke, he, he sang his music in English, the music was still Caribbean. You could still get that Caribbean feel from it. Yeah. But um, Cindy Lauper's time after time, I just remember my dad sitting there on his big record player playing this song. And um, and he and I remember him falling in love with the song. And I, I think that's a part of the attachment for me too, seeing how my dad reacted to it. Um, but it was that guitar tone on that song that made me say, this is what I kind of want to sound like with the guitar. And fast forward, we, we throw in blues and country music, rap, of course, um, R&B. And, and then there was this guy named Jimi Hendrix. And I said, whoa, now this is the guy I want to be like. And it's been set from there. <laughs> That's incredible. You know, it, it's uh, it's wild. You, you mentioned Hendrix. I feel like, um, you know, everybody always, obviously, clearly, um, talks about, uh, you know, just incredibly, you know, versatile as a guitar player and stuff like that. But one of the things that always um, really excited me about him was um, his exploration of sonics, like not just guitar, you know, playing, but like the production and and kind of just exploring what you what you could do sound wise yes. with not just the instrument, but with the studio, you know? Yes. yes. And, you know, they they you know, nowadays we have so much technology where, th where you can manipulate sounds and do come up with so much crazy sounding sonic stuff but i um, mean around that time the challenge was what you saw was what you get and they still somehow made all of these real cool sounds and and uh the studio and then you have the live stuff going on what he was doing with the guitars and things like that just just the sounds not even the technicalities of the playing it was just what he was doing with the with the pedals and the amps it was ahead of its time um, and it's something still to this day, uh, uh, can't nobody, you can, you have to admit 
Jimi Hendrix started all of that. You have to admit that. Can nobody say anything else? <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, what time did you, like, what age did you start playing guitar? Um, started pretty early. It was um, My first guitar was at five. I remember my father buying me a guitar at five years old, and he actually made me appreciate it. I spoke to him earlier um, and um, wished him a happy birthday, and he made me appreciate it a little more because um, at the time when he was trying to buy me a, a guitar, there were only kid toy guitars. There, there wasn't any, uh, you know, real guitars uh, or, the, or something a grown-up would play. So he actually had to wait till they start making guitars for you know the adult version guitars for kids and then that's when he said i want you to be serious so he bought me that guitar and ever since then um kind of flew with it and i i appreciate that so much because i don't know if i would be so interested if he bought me a a, a toy guitar or you know yeah. a guitar or anything like that yeah it's like um you know and and it's interesting because like that kind of um respect for the instrument itself you know, obviously handed down with that guitar, you know? Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I wish I could, I wish I could say I still had that guitar, but um, let's just say I made, um, I made my, I annoyed my brothers with that guitar because I was just strumming. I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but um, it was still something and it, it's something he picked up on and I'm still doing it to this day, which is amazing in itself. Cause we know it's, it's all phase, especially with kids. Everything is kind of in a phase. I, I want to be this. I want to be a ball player. I want to be that. But I've, I've always stuck to the music, to the guitar, especially. Yeah. What um? Can you can you remember the first song you could play uh, the whole oh, way through? Yes. Um, as a French song, my dad showed me. Um, and this song happened to have all the chords. Um, all the chords. It wasn't in theory. It didn't work, but somehow it all worked in this song. And this song is called El Coup. El Coup. It's a French song. Uh, I can't, I forget the guy's name. I want to say Michelle something, but the song is definitely named El Coup. And from that song right there, I kind of picked up everything. I, and I don't know if it was my dad trying to say, I'm not trying to sit here and show you the guitar. I'm going to show you this one song with all of these chords and you take it from there. But um, it was that one song and I flourished from there. That's awesome. The um, uh, it, it's kind of like the um, the uh, Mr. Miyagi wax on, wax off. Like here's yes. every here's everything you're gonna need in one little experience, and if you got that, that's true. And to the point where when he gives it to you, you're still like, this doesn't make sense. This is not what I want to learn. Yeah. And then you learn it, and you're like, oh, that's why he showed me this song. I get it now. It just makes you appreciate it even more. You know. Yeah. Uh, you just had a, a child. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Yep. He just turned nine months. Um, true blessing. Damien. Damien. Yeah, beautiful boy. Um, man, what can I say? You know, having a having a having a baby is such a blessing. So I, I'm very happy about that. Well, congrats. Absolutely. Congrats. You. Uh, have you have you already picked out what kind of guitar uh, Damien's going to play? Well, well, it looks like Damien is going to play my acoustic guitar. Every time I pick up guitar, he's already stuck on it. And I don't know if I was, I don't know if I was stuck on the guitar the way he is when I was his age. Um, and if that's what my dad picked up, but if that's what it is, it looks like he's going to have a guitar when he's five years old. <laughs> that's awesome. That is so cool. Um, so, so when you were younger and first play that, that first guitar, that was, did you start acoustic then? Yeah, started acoustic. Um, my dad always was into the acoustic first. Uh, it was rare you see my dad pick up an electric guitar. 
Um, a lot of them, a lot of the, uh, a lot of Haitian guitars, they might admire the electric, but it all starts with the acoustic first. It's like a graduation thing. Uh, you do the acoustic, and then you move on to the electric kind of thing. Um, I, I, I don't. I'm glad it started that way because it's such a. It can be a challenge playing the acoustic for uh, playing the acoustic. So once you get that down, then all the other guitars become a piece of cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I um uh, uh that that's like it's kind of like um um training skates almost. Like it's like yes. you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, um, so you're you're playing and stuff like that. When when do you start getting uh, creative and kind of creating your own songs? Like, were you in bands in high school and and, and stuff like uh, that? Um. So, the, believe it or not, uh, it was ch the church. The church started it. Um. I used to play for the. I used to play bass at the church. That's how. That that would probably be my first live instrument I played out there. And um, it started in the church, so uh, a lot of the music was Christian-based, gospel-based. Um, so it was um, it was more learning that, and through that, I was able to learn the, the 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 fundamentals of music or writing music, where chords go, where certain things, where to put certain things in place. So I had to blame it on the church, and not in a bad way, in a great way, of course. But um, the church actually started it, and it opened my eyes into what a musician. What, what a musician is supposed to do, but it's it's a little different at church because you're, you're not looking at a uh, you're not trying to be a rock star at church. It's really a, it's serving a different purpose. So, but um, I, I, after that, that's when I said I'm going to try write some songs. So I was definitely a teenager, um, definitely a teenager, fifteen, sixteen, maybe a little younger, but uh, definitely started at the church. Yeah. That's awesome. The um uh the per performing uh bass in church like how was there just an opening or was how, like how did you pivot to the bass for that period of time? Um, so I, I, I my youth pastor uh, who plays the guitar. Um, I always told him I, I wanted to play the guitar. Um, so I picked up the guitar and I showed him that I know how to do certain things on there. And he said, you know, I, I know you understand. I know you love the guitar, but we need a bass player <laughs> and you know, I know some notes. So I said, all right, let me, let me do the bass. Let us, let us, let us bring this together. And I'll play the bass with a cousin who played the drums and youth pastor, of course, playing the guitar and, and singing and leading the worship. But it was just us three um, rocking it for the, for the uh, congregation at the time. That's awesome. Still a trio, still a trio. Yeah, I still a trio, still a trio <laughs> in full sound. I, I think that's why I do so much, um, trio work because I, I feel like you could get such a full sound still with the with the trio with three instruments but even two instruments you could still get the full sound and um you could still somehow capture people's imagination to where they're hearing so many other things with these three instruments you know so yeah uh, the church well you know and 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 i think having that kind of base um period background uh probably helped a lot because like i remember uh when i was learning guitar i read this interview with prince and um and they were they they were asking him what he thought um uh every guitar player should learn and what every guitar player kind of lacks like what a, a you know a lot of guitar players lack and his main thing was a lot of people can play but not a lot of people have rhythm 
and and like you know i and and i i've played some bass in 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 my background and stuff like that and it definitely you know that you you find the pocket so much easier when you're in that back end and then that translates so well when you start playing like you know i play i play rhythm i'm a, i'm a rhythm player i can't i can't solo for shit but uh but uh i play rhythm and like um i i can i can credit all of that to kind of having that bass background, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you. The um, bass definitely uh, kept, showed you how to keep a beat. Um, and, you, and you have to lock in with the drummer. So it definitely keeps you on a, you know, um, on a beat. And it, 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 not that it humble is the wrong, is not the word I'm trying to use, but it shows you that you are somewhat of a service. You're not a lead man. Not that you can't play bass and be a lead man, but, you know, the bass, you're supposed to play this specific role and stay there. And so it does keep you um, it keeps you uh, uh, on 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 route with what you're supposed to be doing with, and without doing too much. Stick to your stick to the script. And then, you know, and, and then you explore with everything else. But so the bass definitely kept me. You know, in that in that realm where I'm 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 servicing this band so we can sound good together. Yeah, and like you know, a guitar you can you can kind of if if you're not if you if you slide off that beat just a little, it might sound like a flourish. But if on the bass, if you slide off that if you slide off the beat, you, everyone knows. You know, everyone knows. Everyone knows. And depending on the musicians around you. It might mess everybody up. <laughs> That's exactly right, man. That's exactly right. So um, here's a, a, another thing that uh, I was reading. Um, uh, you mentioned Mike Tyson. Was there some Joe Frazier thing going on as well, right? Yes. Yeah, Joe Frazier. I was going to be in Joe Frazier's band one time. Uh, um, and, you know, I made the – there was an audition. I didn't even really play. They saw me doing some stuff on the guitar, and they said, hey, you're hired. You're hired. And uh, unfortunately, when things started to get in motion, Joe started to get it started to get sick. And um, I, I didn't have an opportunity to really uh, move on with the band like that. But, um, you know, it was still an honor to meet him um, and at his gym in North Philly. And we were just – cracking jokes funny guy very funny guy um so rest in peace to joe frazier that's incredible i still get depressed every time i drive by the gym and it's got you know whatever it's gone there. Yeah. whatever's there it was a furniture place at one time i said do you, this is legacy do you know what you're doing here? right i know <laughs> like uh, the, i feel like the historical society should have came in there or something something should have stopped yes that, yes we should have had one of those landmark things that that they put in front of these historical buildings uh they should have had it there but but you know I, I think that uh, I think with that opportunity it, it just kept me going. Those little opportunities, whether they come or not, they just matter. They want you to keep on going. They ask you to keep finding new opportunities and stick to your goal. Because um, more importantly than even though I wasn't able to play a show with them, I, the fact that I made the band was was really good. That was showing that um, okay, I know what I'm doing a little bit. Because at that time I, I don't think I really knew. I was just kind of kind of just winging it so you went out there you take these chances never forget to take chances and look what happened you know we didn't get to play but i made the i could clearly say i made the band yeah and that that validation does so much mentally you know and and just with confidence like it's like oh i do deserve this you know (laughs) 
Oh yes. Oh yes. It's it's not a it's not a mistake. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Um so so when you you know when you were kind of trying to find your your uh guitar voice and stuff like that um t- tell me a little bit about like what you were influenced by like what were you oh. uh kind of playing along to or or wanting to kind of craft your stuff after. Yeah. Um well kind of um, a little bit of everything. Um you know with with the music that was played in the household it was more of a it was more of a gumbo. I was loving everything. We had uh, of course I said the compa which I appreciate but there was also the uh, the, the hip hop, the R and B. There was the country music. There was blues. There was so much influences to to um, to. Um, I always wanted to learn how to play this riff from this song or this riff from this song. Um, and then Jimi Hendrix came in, came into my life, and um, there was a. I had a good friend of mine who was a bassist, um, and he said, "You think Jimi Hendrix is good? You should hear this guy named Stevie Ray Vaughan." And it was these two guys that I wanted to, you know, Jimi Hendrix with the versatility and the and the way he uh, gravitated to all these different genres of music. You know, it was an art for him. It was it was um, it was broad. It was so much kinds of kinds of music being played by Jimmy, where um, Stevie Ray Vaughan really made me uh, appreciate the blues a whole lot. And I, I, I had to throw in there the, the Kings, of course, with the with the Stevie Ray Vaughan. All the Kings, especially Freddie King. So it was it was all of those uh, styles of music played at the house. So uh, I was kind of hearing everything. Um, I was kind of trying to learn the jazz. I was learning the country. I was learning the R&B. I was learning this sick riff off of this rap beat. You know, it was always, I kept my horizons open. So it was always music for me instead of styles of music. It was all music. So I tried to uh, convey that on the mute, on the guitar with, with every style. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, were, were you playing out when you kind of uh, started to put together uh, uh, Songs of a Renegade or were you? Uh... Yes. Um, believe it or not, before Songs of a Renegade, I might have been playing uh, about eight years before that. Um, I remember my first gig at this place called Lickety Split, which is not there anymore. Shout Where Milk Boy Split. is, right? Yeah. Where Milk Boy is. I yes. remember that place. <laughs> Uh, I used to love Lickety Split, and they 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 gave me my first gig, and from there, if, speaking of validation, validation, that's where you're like, okay, if I could do this here, let's keep it going, let's keep it going, and try to build an audience, build build a fan base to see who likes if, if people like this, because at that time I didn't know people liked what you know what I was doing or trying to do at the time. So um, Lickety Split. You know, there's the the great rooms. There's Dobbs. There's um, oh, we could go on and on. Johnny Brenda's, the Fire. You know, all of those places, all of those key places in Philadelphia that you had to play to to establish yourself or for people to take you a little serious. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and look now um, because around that time I was doing um, some some uh, stuff in the city, and I'm gonna have to look at the. I, I still have like a sheet, you know, uh, the things that used to be in the newspaper when they used to do oh, the newspaper yeah. uh, oh, for yeah. the Grape Room. I wonder, I wonder if we played in, in, in any of the same weeks or anything. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I would not be surprised. <laughs> I, I, I looked at one recently, um, and I was, and it was really funny because I was like, "Oh, that's been a guest on my show. Oh, that's a guest on my show." And like, I'll send it to people and be like, "Hey, look." 
look, we were there. Um, right. The, the confirmation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, and, you know, you mentioned Lickety Split, like, uh, uh, I guess it was around 06, maybe. Uh, my buddy Randy and I, we were hosting, we hosted the open mic night around the corner over at um, what used to be Kildare's is now like the... Uh, something nail or uh, um, yeah, I'm very familiar with Kildare's. Yeah, I'm not sure what's there now, but yes, I've definitely you might have seen me. I've definitely popped in there on the open mic. Yeah, okay. And, All right. Know, that see. was a part of our uh that, that's how you got established, right? The the open mic scene. And that's how you got your gigs. It was the open mics and then you got gigs. So it wasn't um it was always a, a bit of a hard knocks. It was never um I want to play this place and they're just going to play. I had to show up at these open mics and prove to them everywhere, everywhere. You you prove to them. Um, I, I didn't just get the grape room. I had to go to their open mic. Uh, Lickley Split, she she gave me that gig because of the open mic. So it was always that. Um, I always encourage those who's coming up to do those open mics. Do those open mics. They, they hone your craft and it's a good networking thing. So. Yeah, totally. And like, you know, like, you know, the 100% on the networking, like not just for the the venues and stuff like that, but other artists, you know, yes. because then those artists are like, hey, man, I'm playing the open mic over at blah, 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 blah. And yes. they just put me on. You yes, know, that's like, how I found out. That's how I found out about the Dawson's and these other places. Oh, yeah. It was people seeing me at these other places. Then it becomes a scene. It becomes yeah. a scene. And, you know, we, we all travel together or meet each other at these other places. And that's how the scene started, which I don't see so much now, but um, we had a scene. There was a scene going on. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because uh, I, I said the same thing. Uh, like, I was like, man, there used to be something here that, like, I felt and, and I just don't feel it anymore. And uh, um, I was talking to um, Dan Drago and he was like, it's because you're old. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's I forgot. <laughs> well, well, I'm right there with you. So. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not trying to deny that. I'm there with you. I'm I'm old too, because it's definitely yeah. much different than what we remember. Like you were saying, it was such a uh you you had at least 10 to 20 people playing playing music in Philadelphia in different places. Hey, I'm gonna be here, hey, I'm gonna be here. But you don't see that much anymore. And like you said, uh that these venues, some of these venues are not around. Um right. we were talking about Lickety Split. And before it turned into the Milk Boys, it was um, Second State at one time. Um, all of these places just cha- just uh, just changed on us. So if that's not getting old, I don't know what is. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, and, and, and it's so it's so funny too because I never expected to be the guy who was like, "Well, you know, when we used to do it." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I look at these kids and say, "Well, you know, back in my day." <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, it's 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 the the crime of getting old. You know, you can't tell me avoid about it. it. Tell me about it. But I appreciate it at the same time. I'm not. Uh, uh, I, I I definitely appreciate it. It's it's something to um, appreciate, especially when you kind of feel the same. It you you just been around longer, but I feel no different than yeah. than my first gig. But you know, you you learn a lot. You learn a lot as you grow. And I would never say the 50 year old man should look at life the way the 20 that the, the way he did at 25. But um, but you can't be 50 and feel 25 with a vast more knowledge. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> so so when you started trying to, you know, you're you're playing that stuff out for around eight years and you, you sit down to finally start to record. 
um like uh were were you comfortable with um with with those songs by that point like were they was that did you go into it to kind of create that album or was it just a like a combination of everything you had been doing up until that point um a little bit of both there there, there were uh songs of a renegade was there was a lot of songs that i was performing throughout uh you know throughout the open mic stint and these other gigs that we were doing and then there were songs that were written for the album and you kind of uh, you kind of it, it kind of all said the same thing. You know, you group things in and out. For me, at least, you group it up in in a way you're trying to say something, and you want to not, not that you want every song to say the same thing, but you you want it to fit that what you're talking about. So a lot of the songs uh, were written before that, but there was a lot of songs written for the album as well. Yeah. Um, and um, and I guess what kept me going was uh, people kept saying, or you know, you you kind of. The validation we were speaking about, people are saying, man, those songs are really good. What are you doing with them? <laughs> yeah. I, I need to put them on an album. <laughs> um, had, had you done any studio work prior to, to going in to do that or? Yeah. Um, I played good. I played guitar on a couple of, a uh, couple band. you know, um, if the band didn't have a guitarist and they needed a guitarist for the studio, I played a couple. I've been in the studio to where um, I had that experience, but um, it's, there is still, there is still no experience like the experience when you're completing your own album. Um, and it goes with the technicality of things. I mean, even the takes, um, learning, learning what you learning, what you're doing live is one thing, but being in a studio, it has to be so precise. And, uh, it, you know, on live, it'll just, it'll disappear. It's in the air, but in the studio, it's on record. It's going to stay there. So that, that's a whole lot of honing that I had to do learning how to record. Uh, learning how to record the vocals, learning how to record the, the the instrument. What you come up with at home, you got to make sure you come up. You do that at the in the studio. It can. There was a bit of a pressure there. As soon as you hit that record button, I was like, oh, oh, retake. Let's do that one again. But now it's you know it get, as you get on with time, it's a little easier now. You 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 come up with the stuff at home, and then you go in the studio and you knock it out a couple takes. Um, yeah. But the Songs of a Renegade was definitely the boot camp for all that. And that's when I had to say, I had to ask myself, musician to musician, I had to ask myself, do I really want this? Am I really capable of doing this? Yeah. You know, um, it's it's funny you you mentioned that because uh, the, the first time I was ever in the studio, um, I listened to some of those recordings and I'm like, my God, why did you accept that take? Like, that's terrible, right? You know, like I'm Tell like, that's not. And, and it was a lot of it was just like, God, I can't waste this engineer's time with another take. Like, I, 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 like let's just get it done. And we're like, yeah, yeah, it's good enough. That's good. But now yeah. I listen to it and I'm like, bro, just take another. T- just take another take. Yeah, right. <laughs> Patience. That is one thing that you learn, right? Patience. Yeah. And, yeah. and it has to be right. It has to be right. So um, I agree with you. There's times I listen to a recording and I said, I really sound like that. Or why did I use those words? I really wrote that song. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so um, uh, you, you put that out. What, what, like, what was it like finally like having something to be like, here's here's a collection of my stuff. What do you think? Like to, to gift that to people. Yeah, oh, that felt great. It felt great as far as I'm um, finishing something and getting it out there to the people because that's that's what you want to do for your career. Um, but it was still a, a response that I wasn't getting, and and um, I don't want to blame it on my 
rookie album being a being it being the rookie album but um there were certain things that i felt that i just could have done better um and the, the now i look back at it the patience really grown with it because um there was a lot of things that i couldn't stand to listen from from those times that i'm okay with now because i i, I appreciate what happened in the albums after that and how good they sound on on these on these albums after the song, even Song of a Renegade, there's some songs that I'm like, wow, or solos or harmonies or something like that. And now I appreciate it now because it, it sounds so much better. It's like, okay, that's why I went through that. Because if I didn't go through that, those takes would have been on this album. <laughs> yeah. The, um, w- one of the things throughout your discography that I, that I really enjoyed, like when, as I was like kind of, uh, refreshing and, and listening to everything, um, is listening to the growth of your guitar tone. Like, yes. um, like, you know, but by the time you reach uh, your, your recent album, his story, like your, your tone is just so like punchy good. Like, it's just like, it hits and, you know, like you, you'd mentioned Stevie Ray Vaughan, like it's kind of got that kind of that extra like there's just something extra to it um in in the um it, it it's not reverb i can't even like pinpoint exactly what it is but it's just a fine tuning that like i feel like you like are you do you like your tone now like is oh, that I, what I, you I think it is oh yes oh if if you would have seen the research the amount of research i've done to find this tone it was um it was, you know, when you're a guitar player, it, you're more than a guitar player. You are now a uh, sonic man in a way. You, you're trying to put things together that sounds together. And um, it might sound good one place, but it usually doesn't. It might, but it, in another place, it just doesn't sound good. So my whole thing was, how do I keep this consistent sound? Um, and it was me researching pedals, me researching amps what amps are better with what pedals and what for especially for your own style coming up with your own identity the music that you want to present to the world out there it was a whole bunch of research trying to figure out what what mar- what's married together that's going to give me what i want so that was a whole lot of research and um we talking about youtube we talking about guitar text um and uh and uh, of the frustration you gotta add the frustration in this business a lot of frustrations and yeah so it, it was definitely um a big step up with the guitar tone that i achieved on this one and i i, I i'm so proud of it because it was all of the research that i did it wasn't by mistake yeah it was oh that's awesome that's awesome. In any of that research or any, like, uh, was there ever anything, and I already know the answer to this, so I, it's a silly question to ask, but th- was there ever any moment where you like, where you were like, maybe it's the Strat? Like, uh... yes. <laughs> yes. Um, to the point where uh, we had pickups taken out of Strats to put different pickups in, um, uh, um, you know, uh, intonations and um, do I use this strat? Do I use this strat? Because I love the strat and I was not trying to uh, go to another, you know, go to a Gibson, not, nothing against any other guitars or anything like that. But I wasn't trying to, I was trying to stick to the strat and I was saying to myself, I'm going to make the strat work for me uh, in the music that I do. So um, what, what I what I did realize was how heavy or how light I should be on certain songs and what dessert and what needs what and things like that. So, uh, and I guess the challenge was no matter how uh, clean the guitars or how dirty the guitars were, you wanted it the same guitar tone. 
Um, so, uh, and that's a lot of Jimi Hendrix studying because Jimmy became Jimmy. He'll give you the heavy guitars, and then he'll give you these light guitars, but they're all one. You hear Jimi Hendrix no matter what, and that's yeah. what I wanted to do. I wanted to achieve that. You hear one guitar. You might hear the versatility, the aggression, or the clean in some of them, but you hear Greg Sobo on the guitars. Hell yeah, hell yeah. The um um, uh, it's funny because, and the reason I ask that is because the way you are with strats is the way that I am with tellies. No. Like I just can't. Yeah. I just so like I know I know it. Like I know that once you find something that's like you, that's inherently you. Like there's it's, no way to. No way, and and I said su- and I suggest to the people: do not change. Do not go. It's not a hard search. You know, if it's you, it's you. If if it sticks to you, stick to it. Uh, there's nothing and when you find it it's it there is there is no more looking you could just only expand on it and experiment with it but that's that's you you know so that that was me with the strat i i, I didn't want to try anything else uh you know we have humbuckers we have single coils but i wanted to stick to my single coil and you know I, uh it goes to my heroes my guitar heroes all played strats so <laughs> Yeah. Um, on the latest album, you got to and the most one of the most amazing things in the world, you got to work with Billy Cox. Yes. Um, did did he have any did he have any um, Hendrix tone secrets to uh, to give you to believe it or not? He was um, he was more impressed that um, that that he he feels the Hendrix going on, but it's still uh, the words he used was it was still my individuality. He, yeah, you could fit, you can hear the influences, but it's not somebody trying to copy Jimmy. Cause, cause that was never my goal. Um, I didn't, I never wanted to, I wanted to play like Jimmy, but I never wanted to be Jimmy. You know, Jimmy's already taken and his sound is already taken, but I definitely want to keep, uh, th- that legacy alive in my own way, but still add Greg Sober to it. Um, added to my, uh, to my other influences and things like that. So, yeah. It's it's one of the things that like I think um, separates um, uh, people who I enjoy listening to from um, um, from other people, and that is like um, wearing your influences is great, but like you have to have it has to be like a jacket. It can't be your body, you know. And like that's, you know, way cool. too many people try to do like this kind of. Um, musical dress up where it's like yeah look i can play i can play stevie ray note for note and it sounds like this but you don't have the feeling and you don't have your own thing you're not you don't have your own thing and And to to your point um everybody who i've known who played the stevie ray vaughn note for note or the Jimi hendrix note for note um they could never kind of come up with their own style for their own music like you said you you just knew who this guy was trying to be you could tell who this guy was trying to play like and and they're only playing their songs, which is, you know, which is no gripe because a lot of people's their, their their determination of success is knowing that Stevie Ray Vaughan song note for note. But, you know, I, I've always wanted to be my own artist. So um, I, you take the you take a you take a little piece and then you add yours. So, yeah, it's beautiful. That's always the yeah, man. Um, so you follow up um, Songs of a Renegade with Jubilee and you kind of have this like a uh, uh, two year pattern going on, you know, 2016, 18 and then the parade EP in 2020. Yeah. Um, do you do you like do you love being in the studio? Like, is that kind of like are you always just kind of moving towards the next project like that or? 
Yeah, um, yeah, because you uh, when when I lay one project out, I'm all I'm like right now we did history. I'm already thinking of the next one. Uh, I'm already thinking of what sound I want to do with that one. So you kind of um, to answer your question simply, yes, I love being in the studio, um, creating and coming up with these uh, sounds and things like that. Um, but it's always um, trying to be well, well prepared to what you come up with at home and just honing in at the studio. You don't want to go in the studio and and uh, you want to go in the studio and lay the music down. You don't want to be so, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Kind of have a game plan. And that's yeah. what I had to learn through experience. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, the the parade EP um, comes out uh, in the middle of the the pandemic. Uh, yes. uh, it, 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 was that a pandemic project, or was that um, were you working on that prior to? Yeah, um, pandemic project with a little bit of prior. So I the the parade concept was supposed to be um, uh, a uh, a guy waking up in the middle of the night and going through a bunch of stuff. So I, I wanted to name it the parade, but. With the uh, with the COVID and you know we were we were going through a crazy time in the country and things like that. It felt like there was a different message that had to been that that had to be put on this album. So I tried to I tried to throw in a little bit of that, but definitely the main thing was keeping twenty twenty you know out there so you could remember what's going on in twenty twenty. Trying to figure out these little these um these mishaps that's going on in 2020 we was all in this place and a lot of us don't want to go back to <laughs> no not at all <laughs> like uh, i do i do not there are little things i miss like uh um uh you know like i, I loved all the live streams and all that kind oh, of stuff and all you know like yes i was but, a part uh, of that world <laughs> yeah 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 the oh, yeah. um it was it was just really wild like that you would have like these little concerts in your house and you know like i don't know that i ever got used to um talking to people that i couldn't hear them responding i could just see like words coming up on the screen but like <laughs> <Tell me about. laughs> it, it, it took it it took some time playing live shows afterwards to like get back into like oh right you can talk back to me now like I, <laughs> that's right that's right it is um it was um especially when you're reading it and you're like what is, what are they saying i can't really read it but i'm gonna go ahead and keep playing my yeah. song <laughs> yeah I still it's funny, too, because I still now uh, because of that, I'll, I'll throw up uh, uh, my phone and I'll do a live stream every time I play now. And every once in a while, I find myself like doing that all over again. Like, wait, what did someone just what did, did anybody say anything? Yeah. Uh, um and then you 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 had the uh the cream cover of uh politician what was what was um the kind of uh the background between choosing that and then d not just playing it but you know deciding to record it and what yeah so you know um in 2020 it was so much going on and uh, a lot of it a lot of it that was taking over our country was politics um not not to get in sides and things like that, but you know there was so much going on that um, um, politician came up, and I felt like that was a great song for that time, um, and uh, and added to the killer riffs and and again it's, it's paying uh, other than your message, you're paying homage to those who came before you. I mean we talking about cream, you know, uh, um, so it was me trying to keep that legacy alive at the same time, but there was still a message going on. There was still dark times with the, with politics at that time. And I thought that song was um, so appropriate for that time. 
Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. You definitely tapped into something there, and like uh, the the uh, the through line is not lost. Like it's, yes, uh, yes, we still live through it today. <laughs> yeah, very much so, and uh, sadly so. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that you know that brings us to history. You know, we we um, talked about uh, Billy Cox uh, there just for a second, but um, what was the process of? of uh bringing him on like uh did you were, were you just like um was that something that you were kind of targeting or was that just something that came about um from conversation or whatnot um yeah kind of kind of conversation with the team um the the plan was to put manic depression on the song on the album um which is a Jimi hendrix song and i felt that song was so was was so on topic with what i was trying to speak about throughout the whole album. So I wanted to do that song. And um, uh, talking to the team, uh, my manager out of nowhere said, I'm going to try to reach out to Billy Cox. Fast forward, we meet in Billy Cox in um, Nashville. And um, as we meet and we say, I say, hey, Billy. He say, hey, Greg. And we start jamming to um, um, a Motown song, My Girl by Temptation. And I was like, whoa, I'm actually jamming with this guy who played with Jimi Hendrix. Um, so uh, and, and, you know, without without forgetting the fact of what he brought to the table himself, uh, he wrote so many songs for others and these bass lines. And, you know, the Jimmy thing was just the icing on the cake. But I, I felt so um, speaking of validation, it was one of those times when I said, my goodness, I made it. Yeah. I'm playing Billy Cox. So um, it was a, I had to give it up for the team. Uh, all I said was um, I'm trying to put manic depression on the album. And my manager and team said. Let's get Billy Cox. <laughs> That's incredible. We're still friends. We're still friends. And then, uh, so you, the plan was one song, and then you you get to also do "Remember." Like, uh, yes. how, how how did the additional song come through? Um, well, there was um, from what I'm hearing, he wanted to re-record the song with Jimmy before his um before Jimmy passed, and um, um, it was a song that was in the tuck, and I. I'm not, I don't want to put words in Billy mouth, but it, it was almost like, I feel like you're worthy to record this song. And he blessed me with the opportunity and I couldn't even, I couldn't say no. You know, he wanted this song done. He did me a favor. Sure. Let's do this one. You know? And um, I thought the song came out really good. Great song. Um, I love that song. So I'm glad it's on the album and it just increased what I was trying to say on the album pretty much. Yeah, it's it's absolutely beautiful. What was that like on the international version, right, or, or yes. something? Yeah, international version. It wasn't yet released in America yet, and um, um, it, it, and I think not until a couple couple years ago, maybe even a decade ago, was when it was released on the on the American version of that album. And um, you know, again, I was just blessed to have that opportunity to re-record this song that him and Jimmy was going to re-record anyway. And, and unfortunately it, w what happened to Jimmy, um, he, with the passing and the, fast forward, he said, I think you're worthy enough to record this song. So uh, I'm glad I did it. God, that's amazing. That's yeah. absolutely like, you, you know, we keep coming back to validation. Talk about validation, yeah. man. Like oh, that is man. just like, yes, yes. I, especially, uh, not to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, you're good. No. Yeah. The validation was so, I mean, and you, we're talking about somebody who, who's, who's there, who, who know what it's like, you know, and he's telling you that you're good or you can, you should, you should keep going further with this. And I have a song for you. So it was big. It was big.
It's incredible. I mean, like that, that plus uh, having a kid like you, you have experienced pure, like, how do, how, how do you top that? Like, what's next? Like, what do you, how do you? <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me about it. It's, um, and uh, in, in the world where you don't know what's next, you're just looking forward to what's next. You're just like, whoa. Uh, and you know, it's going to be big because everything's been so, 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 so much blessings already, you know, and having a, having a, my baby boy was the icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, one of the things about the album that I absolutely appreciate um, is I am a I am a sucker for a 10 song or less album. Like, like, say it, get in and get yeah. out. Like, I, yes. I, I want it to fit on a vinyl or something like that. Um, were there were there outtakes? Were there other other songs that that could have made the cut that you uh, cut or? Yeah, there there were, but um, they they just wasn't sounding the same. There was in a there was a bit of a, of aggression that I wanted on this album that I kind of felt the other songs were probably too uh, probably too soft for it. But um, but I definitely planned on making it a ten song album. Um, and um, ten songs because it's not too much. But then again, ten songs because it is a project. You are giving a full body of work. Um, but. But you do you 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 don't want it to be a seventeen song album, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, so. it's 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 incredible. It's so good, and like um, like I I like you said, like it it makes it all makes sense together. You know what I yes. mean? Like it 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 is a complete piece, and I think that's another thing that I find missing in a lot of contemporary albums is like you know it it, it we're we're getting to that point again where a lot of people are just kind of releasing collection of songs instead mm-hmm. of like having something to say. And I feel like this album has something to say. Yeah, thank um, you. What what is what is the response to it been like? It's it, oh, I've, uh, I'm so proud. Um, you know, as we were saying earlier, I didn't know where it was going to go. Um, I, I didn't know where this album was going to go with all of the changes that was going on. So um, it was it was so refreshing to hear the the response that I'm getting because I know the I'm out of work and songwriting and placing songs. What song goes where and what song goes? It was so much excuse me, that I had to um, kind of do by myself this time because I've always had help on the previous album. So um, the fact that this is probably one of the bigger responses that I've got to an album is just, yo, that's my job. Yeah, hell yeah. Say? Hell yes. <laughs> yeah, man. No, it's it's absolutely incredible. And like I said, like, uh, you know, the, the evolution of your guitar tone, like your guitar just sounds so good on this album. Like, that. and, and that's, and that's not just, that's not just to the, 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 the sound itself, but like the player, like you, you are just dialed in right now and I'm, I'm really excited. Mm. Um, so, Dang. so are, are you already thinking of the next one? Is that, is that in yeah, your head? Already, already thinking of the next one. And, um, uh, between me and you, I'm thinking of calling it five. It will be my fifth album. So maybe simply put five with a little picture of me when I was five on there. But no, I love nobody that. knows. Nobody knows. I love that. <laughs> well, that's that's beautiful because that's that's when you got that guitar, right? Like, that's so when I got the guitar. You you got it. You got yes. it. Yes. Um, five is such a uh, not that I'm into uh, uh, spiritual numbers or anything like that, but five is such an important number because of me getting my first guitar and things like that. And this is my fifth album, so it kind of just ties into that. So. Five, yes. <laughs> I love it. That's incredible. Well, at this time, you want to go through the jauntlet. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests. Uh, it's made up of two sections that starts with the one-hit wonders. First one, Billy Joel or Elton John? Ooh, 
Mm, good one. I'm gonna go with Billy Joel. You know, okay. uh, Billy Joel. Uh, one of the first songs I've heard from Billy Joel. We didn't start the fire. One of my favorite all-time songs. Um, and 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 you know, I, I almost think it's almost a rap song in, in a way. But um, yeah, Billy Joel. Billy very Joe. much so. Very much so. Uh, number two, Debbie Harry or Joan Jett? Ooh, you know, um, Debbie Harry. Uh, you can't go wrong with Blondie. That was just part uh, of glass. You know, um, and you know the, the mixture of the rock with the disco, and 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 she also gave hope to us. Um, you know, to us uh, not so young musicians. You know, she she definitely kept that light on because a lot of people they 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 don't make it a certain they don't make it whatever that is in a certain age, and they they just probably want to um, quit or do something else. And Debbie Harry is one of the ones who kept it alive. Hearing her story. Great answer. Uh, number three, Aretha Franklin or Tina Turner? Wow. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Aretha. That something with that soulful voice. Um, um, Tina's nowhere near bad either. You know, and Tina has, um, especially 70s Tina, she had that rock edge to her. But it's something about um, Aretha Franklin that the vocals were so powerful. And throughout time, you know, she just was always that. So, Tina Turner, but rest in peace, both of them. We appreciate what you guys did to music. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, definitely both left a mark, man. Like yes. just, just icons. Mark. Yes. Uh, Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with Nirvana. Uh, Nirvana with the, when it came to Nirvana, not only the lyrics, they had great beats. I mean, I think of Smell Like Teen Spirit. Uh, um, other than singing how fun it was, that beat. So I'm going to go with um, Nirvana. Then you have Lithium and um, Kurt Cobain himself was um, somebody who captured my attention by himself. Um, and then, you know, you still have added to, um, uh, 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 they, they, their legacy still goes on uh, when you hear um, um, heroes from the drummer, from Foo Fighters drum, you know, so it's, it's Nirvana for me. Pearl Jam is great, but it's Nirvana for me. All right. Great answer. Great answer. Uh, Janis Joplin or Stevie Nicks? Wow. Now I'm going to go with Janis Joplin. That, that, the vocals she had strong vocals um um stevie nicks is amazing uh you know the band was amazing so i'm not gonna take nothing away from i'm not gonna take nothing from stevie nicks from fleetwood mac but janice joplin that was just a one-of-a-kind voice that uh you don't hear anymore and if somebody's if somebody comes up singing like her you know that that's janice joplin influence I so i'm it. giving janice joplin excellent uh the big one beatles or the stones Ooh, uh, I'm I'm gonna go with the Beatles. The Beatles have so many songs. Um, the Rolling Stones are great, straight rock. You know, I, I, I'm not taking, I'm not, you know, <laughs> but um, the Beatles for me, uh, the Beatles. I mean, they they had they're on top. They, I think they have 40 of the best records ever written. There's a reason why they they knew how to write songs. Um, and you hear their growth from their first album to the last album. And then you, you see what they did individually uh, from Paul Ringo, um, George, uh, who am I missing? Uh, oh, uh, John, John, yeah, John, yeah. I can't forget John. Um, <laughs> and you know, everybody took their, everybody took what they did with the team together and then spread it apart on their own. 
to where everybody had their own um, identity, which I think a, a, a band should have. Everybody should have their own identity. And when you come together, you, um, you know, you, you, you get your Power Ranger thing going on. <laughs> but uh, but um, um, other than that, everybody, uh, those four guys, everybody, you can name something individually that they all done added to what they've done together. So I'll go with the Beatles. I love it. I love it. The last one of this section, Bohemian Rhapsody or Stairway to Heaven? Oh, wow. So why, while I have Wayne's world in my head, <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. Awesome beats, really good lyrics, powerful vocals, um, kind of kind of what I'm trying to do. Powerful vocals, really good beats, but and loud guitars and things like that. So I'll go with Bohemian Rhapsody. That's awesome. Uh, every once in a while, I like to uh, surprise a guest with one that I add specifically for them. So I have a one-hit wonder specifically for you. Uh, the Experience or Band of Gypsies? Ooh, good question. <laughs> Great question. I had to go with... Um, the gypsies. I have to go with the band of yeah. gypsies. It was so much, and the experience have a lot of the songs that I love, but the band of gypsies was just on. It was just a different. You could feel the transformation. It was, um, um, it was a, uh, it was polished. It was, you know, the songs, the songs that just were produced. It, it was who was he working with at the time, and who was in the band and things like that. So, band of gypsies. Yes. All right, good one. <laughs> Good one. Uh, the next section is the top 10 countdown. Of course, you know this. We use John to be whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be music. Uh, number one, what was your first John? What was the first thing you were obsessed with when you were a kid? Oh, I'm going to have to go with the guitar. That yeah. I could not get over that the curves of that acoustic guitar. Again, I thought it was a woman. I, I, st- I stared at it like it was a woman every time my dad picked it up, like... Wow, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to do something with it. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I, I completely forgot something. Uh, uh, the um, you, you mentioning time after time, uh, you worked with Davis Sickenden on this album. Uh, yes. What was it, what was that experience like? Uh, Dave is a major major mentor. Dave is uh, just like just like Billy. I could call Dave. A, he's a friend. It's somebody in my phone that I could call. I need some advice. He's got me. So he's a real good guy. Um, so it was more, it was, it was beyond the experience of him playing on the band. It was more of a, and now I have him as a friend. He's a cool guy. And then he's looking out for me. So um, real good guy all the way. And, and, you know, that kind of, that kind of can overlap the playing on the, cause you, you, you're sitting there with somebody who's not only um, gold to a lot of people, but you know, y'all cool and giving you advice and, setting things up for you and we've played shows together so it's more of a connection with dave ah, it's Real beautiful guy. and uh go check out their record i have to give them a, i have to give them a plug go check out their new record great record it's awesome isn't it we just i just talked to uh eric bazillion uh, oh, a few episodes yes. ago and um he like so like i was talking to him about like the fact that the you know a lot of those songs were um created using their old four track demos their old porta studio demos it. is absolutely mind-blowing man tell me about it yes yes um great band um one of the band one of them legendary bands that we think of i mean and that alone is is huge you know but um again back to it it's it's mainly what the the connection that we have and um and he plays gigs with me. So he, as as big as he is with the Hooters, he still makes time for me. So you can't go wrong. Can't That's, go wrong with that. 
That's awesome. Uh, number two, what's your current John? What are you into right now? Ooh, current John would probably be. Would it be corny if I said guitars? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all, man. <laughs> this time, electric guitars. <laughs> um, so, but right now, as as of right now, that would be it. Um, music, like I live music. Like I love music. Like it's um, that will always be my John. You know what I mean? That will yeah. always be. Um, there with me, so uh, music would take the cake, and on more guitars. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, number three, what was your first concert? What was the first live show you saw? Oh man, first live show I saw is gonna sound weird, but it was the Beach Boys. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I love it. It was the Beach Boys, um, Keswick Theater. I was just speaking about it earlier, but Keswick Theater. Um, good friends, good family members took me to the uh, Beatles concert and. I saw Brian Wilson. I saw all the greats, the Kokamos, uh, <laughs> Beach Boys. Everybody was surfing. All of that was being played. And you, and this is coming from not such a big Beach Boys fan. And they turned me into a bigger fan. I've always heard the music, but watching them live, the harmonies, oh, man, wow. Yeah, they're absolutely mind-numbing, the the, yes, the harmonies. Yes. like, And that they can still pull it off, too. They'll you know? still pull like, it off. Great, yes. It's yes. awesome. Uh, number four, what was your last concert? What was the last live show you went to? Uh, last live concert I went to was actually Dwight Yoakam, uh, favorite country singer of mine, um, Dwight Yoakam at the Keswick. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Dwight Yoakam, I went with my girlfriend. I said, let's go check out this country star. She said, country? <laughs> You're going to love it. Don't worry about it. Now, she don't love it, but she sees why I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, that's that, that, another thing that I completely slipped my mind when we were talking about influences. When I was reading like the press release and stuff like that, and I saw Pete Anderson's name on there, oh. I was like, "Wait a minute, where the hell did he come from?" Like oh, oh. <laughs> Pete Anderson, by far, uh, the the rhythms, the 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 riffs that he came up with. Pete Anderson, you know, I, I wish he was still in Dwight's band, but um, some of the things he came up with was just genius. Um, one of the best. He's one of my favorite guitarists. He's if I had five, he's definitely in there. That's he's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. uh, number number five. What was your favorite concert? What was the best live show you ever saw? Best live show I ever saw was um, Eric Gales. Uh, I went to uh, Sellersville Theater in PA and saw Eric Gales, um, extraordinary guitar player. Uh, one of the guitarists that you see and you're like, man, am I, am I really that good? <laughs> I have a lot of catching up to do. So Eric Gales, he, he blew, he blew my mind when I saw him live. I seen him on um, concerts and things like that. But when you see it live, you're like, this is really going on live. Wow. Great band, great songs and awesome playing. Awesome playing. That's cool. I've never seen him. I, I, I'll, I'll have to add that to the list of people. Yes, to keep an highly eye recommended, highly recommended. Uh, number six, who have you never seen live that you wish you would have? They can be living or dead. Mm, oh, well, okay. That's a toss up between Bob Marley and Jimi Hendrix. Um, I feel like those two guys, it's, it's, as much as many musicians that influenced me, I feel those two guys influenced me the most from Bob Marley's with his, uh, with how he attacks songs, what, what he speaks about, but still doesn't make it um, preachy. It's still something that everybody still love. And um, when it comes to Jimi Hendrix is the guitar and, and his lyrics. I, I, I have to throw Jimi Hendrix is an awesome writer himself, but um, it's a toss up between those two guys. Um, those two guys really shaped my music in the way I look at life. Awesome. 
Uh, number seven, name an unappreciated John. Something you wish had a little more shine to it. Mm, something I wish I had. A, well, um, I wish that um, I wish that history had a little more shine to it. You know, history is a great album, and I know it's it's shining now, but I think it could shine a little more. I bring love the it. shine on. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll bring some of the shine. Hopefully, uh, this will pull enough. some attention. I appreciate it too. Are you doing enough? Thank you. <laughs> uh, number eight. What's your favorite album? Oh, favorite album? Mm, as I could think of right now, would probably be Jay Z's Reasonable Doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jay Z's Reasonable Doubt. Jay Z. You know, um, uh, one of my favorite rappers. Um, and when I when I think of Jay Z, I think of lyrics, the way he writes. It's it's not always what they write about. It's what it's how they write that I I capture. I, it's not always the the message. The it is always a message, but it's not always that. It's always the way they rhyme the words when they put certain things in. So I, I learned a lot of that technique and put it in mind. So um, it works all across the board the way he did it. And he's a rapper, and me, I'm I'm blues rock. So it, there is a fundamental that we share that 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 made me know that music isn't a genre thing. It is a it is it's all music. It's there's only two music. There's only two kinds of music, good and bad. Everything else, it's all music. You know, no matter what you're hearing and who you're hearing it from. Uh, it's true. It's so true. Uh, number nine. Name an artist whose output you'll consume anything they release. Um. Mm, and I, uh. Wow. That's a good question. I'm probably gonna say Eric Gales right now. Uh, I can't get enough of Eric Gales right now. The guitar playing. The uh, the story and um, you know these guys also influenced me to just keep it going. Um, I you see them going and you're just like um, yeah I'm, I'm gonna keep this going too. So those are those are major major points major points. So anything Eric Gales is doing right now probably I would say Eric Gales. All right, all right. Uh, number ten, the tenth and final one. What is your favorite John of all time? Ooh, favorite John of all time. Uh, uh. Favorite John of all time, as it comes to my mind, would have to be Machine Gun, Jimi Hendrix. Um, from baseline to topic to solo, it's, and and there's the jam. There is a bunch of not caring that happened in that song. That that um, I think almost every uh, every, every artist should have that rebel in the in their in their in their repertoire and um as as structured as jimmy has some stuff there's there's a lot of things that he wasn't worried about structure it was just getting that message out and getting his sound out so and that's to me that's rebel that's very rebel you know so um machine gun machine gun jimmy hendrix that's awesome i love it great answer um so you you said you're already starting to think and and kind of work towards the the next release um any any uh chance of calling up your your new friend billy cox and uh uh adding him to the uh the team that's the major possibility uh major possibility especially if we're trying trying to put a, a another jimmy hendrix song on there just to get that that you know that authentic feel that original feel as close to that as possible so yeah there's definitely room for for billy on five <laughs> i love it i love it um so the the album history is out now on all the streaming sites it's up on on, on your band camp as well uh if people want to find that uh what's the best way to track you down on the internet yes yeah, oh well there's gregsova.com g-r-e-g-s-o-v-e-r 
Um, everything is on there. And, you know, there's only one Greg Sober. So if you put in social media and you put Greg Sober, follow everything Greg Sober. <laughs> I love it. And you just did something there that made me even think, you know, if, if you do name this album five and you make it a V, you can make it the middle of your name. Oh, my God. You got so many ideas here. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, we should we should talk a little bit more. That was a great idea. You just <laughs> said right, there. right. Come on. <laughs> that was man. A great idea. I, I have to give you the props. I I I'm always, always thinking design. I'm always thinking design. <laughs> Greg, thank you so much, not just for doing the show, man, but for, for creating such a beautiful album. And, and it is beautiful. Like, like I said, I am a big fan and I am so glad that we got this chance to chat. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, Nate. It was great, great talking to you, my brother. My thanks again to Greg for joining me on the show today. Greg's new album, History, is available now on all streaming services. You can find more about Greg and his music by visiting his website, www.gregsover.com. And you can find Greg on Facebook at facebook.com slash gregsover and on Instagram at greg underscore sover. Links to all of those, as always, are in the show notes. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the Yo That's My John podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And guys, it's never too late to get yourself a super awesome John Scout merit badge for citizenship of the world just by rating and reviewing us. Don't forget to visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com for articles, merchandise, and links to all of the previous episodes of this podcast. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to get all of the updates delivered straight into your inbox. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yothatsmyjohn for updates and live streams. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Yo That's My John and search Yo That's My John on YouTube to find the Yo That's My John YouTube channel. Like and subscribe the heck out of that ish. We want to hear from you. Reach out, reach out and touch some John. Guys, it's the Exponential Music Fest presented by Subaru Weekend. So if you are out at Wiggins Park and you see me, be sure to stop me and say, hey, we'll totally high five. Blue skies. Until next time, everybody. Hey, yo, displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure. Your taste in music doesn't have to be. Yo, That's My John is a Lonely Monk production written and produced by yours truly, Nate Runkle. Theme song by Phil Tyler Music featuring Nate 3.0. Special thanks to Fox Run Brands, DX Ferris, Andrew Scott. Natalie Runkle, and the incredibly brilliant and wickedly stunning Katie Daubney. If you or anyone you know has any ideas they would like to share or any guests they would like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at yo, that's my John at gmail.com. Or you can leave an audio message for us and possibly hear yourself on a future episode by visiting anchor.fm slash ytmj slash message. Until next time, be sure to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure and shout to the world, yo, that's my John. <laughs>